So you want to be a real estate investor, but where do you start? How do you know what information and sources to trust? That's where I come in. I'm Johnny Catani, and this is the Investor Relations Real Estate Podcast. Hey guys, real quick, before we start, go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Now to today's show. What's up guys and welcome to another episode of the Investor Relations Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Katani, and today I'm joined by Omar Khan. Omar is a CFA charter holder, 10 years of investing across real estate and commodities, advised on $3.7 billion of capital finance and M&A transactions, syndicated large multi-million dollar deals across the U.S. He's advised high net worth advisors and entrepreneurs on real estate portfolio allocations and is a global citizen, lived in Dubai, Toronto, Calgary, and Dallas. Omar, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jonathan. Holy crap. I sound like a really nice guy, Jonathan. <laughs> must know what I'm talking about after that intro. Yeah, well, I hope so, right? We'll, we'll find out. Um, Okay, so first thing you have to ask, you've lived all over, now why small town Oklahoma? Okay, so my wife is a foreign physician. Uh, she has to be, uh, uh, the deal that you have with the US government is they'll roll out the red carpet, they'll throw everything in the kitchen sink for you, gotta go to a medically underserved area. So for me, doesn't really matter because I've got employees uh, and partners, uh, whatever we're operating, we're operating in Texas, Georgia, Florida, South Dakota, we do acquisitions developments. So over a period of time, I have enough employees uh, and, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time to develop these teams from the ground up and relationships in these markets. So technically, it kind of doesn't really matter where I live, right? Uh, plus, it's a really nice small town. You know, the people are really nice. We've got two young kids, so no complaints yet. Awesome. I love that. You kind of touched on, you know, what market you're in, but let's kind of go all the way back to the beginning. Um, sounds like you were in kind of the corporate world, may still be, but you know, kind of talk about not in the corporate world. Thank, that and, and what Lord, every day I'm not in the corporate world. <laughs> Let the record show. But yeah. what led you uh, into the commercial real estate space? Well, I mean, a serendipity, but look, my family's has been, I'm like third or fourth generation that's a commercial real estate, either investor or sponsor. My family's a business family. So we had parked a lot of our money, invested a lot of our money over the years in commercial real estate. Now, when I actually talk to a lot of people, because I'm in this industry, I realize, um, you know, a lot of people start houses and they kind of take that little thing, you know, house, duplex, whatever, whatever that evolution is. And I never really had that because luckily for me, I was privileged enough to be in that position where I had a lot of exposure, but my personal background is in finance. I did m and uh, sell side and buy side means investment banking and the client side. So I had a lot of really good uh, experiences leading up to uh, the fact that I moved to the US five or six no, six, six, seven years ago now. And at that time, we had a gain from one of our legacy investments as a family. So we all had to take our money, go our own ways. I wanted to shelter those gains because God, I hate paying taxes, right? And uh, luckily for me, my personal background, my professional background in running structuring deals came in very handy because I had a decade plus leading up to this problem. Because otherwise I would, if I didn't have this uh, background, I would be a guy with a problem, but no discernible way to solve that problem, right? So it was part of it was serendipity, part of it's hard work to have these experiences leading up to it. And that's basically how it happened. And, you know, put the first deal together because I call up a bunch of buddies, call up a bunch of friends, did that deal. 
then did a bunch of other deals and having uh, the investment sales, investment banking experience, that really helped in basically doing a lot of these things. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that's kind of, you know, your, your atypical way in, you pretty much have been in since the start in more or less. So let's kind of jump into it now. You talked about, you know, a couple of deals you've done. How has your background kind of led to your investment thesis? What does that look like? And, you know, what, what do you guys typically target in your markets? Look, the, I, I, get, I, I get this question about, hey, what's changed? This is happening, that's happening, what's changed? Look, our investment thesis hasn't frankly changed. Uh, we, the reason why we started doing this is to have a, an investment that's tax efficient, number one, right? So, you know, we, we could make, a, the example I give to people is, look, you can make a million dollars as an example, but if somebody taxed you at 99%, hypothetically speaking, well, you really only got $10,000, right? That's the right math, I think, right? Or conversely, you could make $20,000 and you could be taxed at 0% and you'd have more money than the guy who made a million but was taxed at 99. And now, now, again, it's an outlier example, but the point is that for us, it's a tax efficient way of investing into an asset that has both income and appreciation. And there is a long runway because, for instance, when I was starting out, I looked at retail, right? Now I've got a couple of businesses, but in retail, but they're not like retail real estate, they're operating businesses, right? And I was like, you know, there's a lot of headwinds here. Amazon's coming, this, that you hear, the death of retail, lots of issues here, right? For instance, hospitality, hotels, very operationally intensive and cyclical. So during the good times, you, you feel like you're walking on water, right? <laughs> but during the bad times, you can't catch a break to save your life, right? So I didn't want, I, I had worked in oil and gas, m &A, so I didn't want to be another commodities volatility sort of, right? You know, you're up one day, down the other, up another. I was like, this is too much, like drama, right? So the only two big options, there's many options, but the two big verticals left were industrial and multifamily. Uh, now, sometimes I kick myself why I didn't go to industrial, because that's even hotter than multifamily, right? That's like the one vertical that's like bonkers, right? Uh, but multifamily offered the right combination of, look, all the stuff that I've told you earlier, but also the fact is that I didn't want to be 55 and realize I was working in an, in an industry that's dying or it's going to collapse. And multifamily, by and large, is the least disrupted by tech because look, people are regardless of how technologically advanced we get, unless we're literally connected to the matrix in a pod, we're going to want to have a place to live, right? And a place to live typically has been a pretty standard structure for like the past 200 years. I mean, you need a roof, you need a room. And yeah, you can have more rooms, you can have more roofs, but the underlying concept is exactly the same, right? So that's basically what it led to because for me in my other professional life earlier, like I told you working in oil and gas, what I'd seen is a lot of the old timers, especially around the 2014, 2013 time when oil prices started going down, maybe it's 2014. They were guys that had been, say in an industry making a lot of money, it said say are 45, 50, 55, couple of years away from retirement, crushing it. And now they realize they're in an industry where they can't pivot, they can't go somewhere else because now you're in a secular recession and you can't catch a break. And I didn't want that to happen to my life. You work hard all your life and you get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm good. And then a bus hits you and you can't recover after that. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it right on the head, right? Like, you know, the old adage, real estate is a get rich slow scheme, right? So as long as you have that long-term mindset, you're going to be just fine, right? There's, I think we were talking offline, there's a thousand different, approaches, strategies, oh, yeah. and they can all make money as long as they're executed correctly. 
So what is it that you guys specifically look for in your markets? Obviously, you're in some of the top markets. You were naming them off. How is it that you compete in these, these top markets? Look, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? So for instance, like I told you, my experience has really helped me out because I was on investment sales. I'd done all that sort of stuff. So I spoke the lingo number one, right? Um, just naturally, that was just like my family did it. You know, then I was, I was lucky enough to be in that profession. So I was kind of naturally speaking into it. So that eases... Um, that eases the conversation somewhat, right? Because it's like any other industry, right? If you're an electrician or you're a plumber or you're a roofer or you're a physician like my, my wife is, right? Uh, and you meet another physician as an example, uh, you're gonna talk some physician lingo and it, it just engenders more trust, trust, right? So that always helped the fact that I was coming from that background. And then look, man, it's just a matter of showing up every single day wanting to play ball right? Because a lot of times what happens is guys come in, they're super hard and heavy. And, you know, the invariable disappointments happen, right? They happen to everybody, right? And guys keep falling off, falling off, falling off, falling off. So a lot of times it's just showing up, saying what you're, nothing complex I'm going to tell you here, show, saying what you're going to do and do what you say, but show up every day, right? Show up every day, be organized, be efficient. Uh, don't do stupid things, right? And I mean, it's, again, nothing I'm telling you is revolutionary here right? But it's doing a lot of small little things consistently for a long period of time. Absolutely. And that's what I love about this industry. No one needs to reinvent the wheel here, right? The, the strategies are pretty cut and dry. You can pick which one you want. You can partner with the people who have the same outlook as you do. And, you know, again, pretty much as long as you can execute success correctly, you're going to make money and do it correctly. So, it sounds like a lot of your initial investors came from your background. Yeah. Do you, is that pretty much your investor pool? Do you have new investors? You know, what does that look like for you guys? So look, uh, a lot of these were people I knew or I'd worked with in some shape or capacity. But as you're expanding in business, especially in mine, um, word of mouth is really big, right, for us, right? And you, it's really funny, like, for instance, now I'm doing a restaurant business, not real estate, the actual operating business, right? Wow. And how that happened is that on one of my deals, uh, a guy I knew introduced me to a super high net worth wealth manager. And the reason why him and I started talking was because he had given his CFA exams, but he was a really successful guy. He didn't really pass them because he didn't have the time, not because he wasn't intelligent. He just didn't have the time. He's making a lot of money. And I'd done my CFA exam. And when he saw my CFA thing, because he looked me up, he's like, oh, we should talk just because kind of similar industries, right? And him and I started talking and he's like, he invested in my deal and said, I got to introduce you to this couple of my clients. So he introduced me to a couple of his clients. One of the guys ended up being the CEO of one of the biggest private equity backed food franchisees in the Southeast. And he invested in our deals. We made him a lot of money. And you know, you meet people, you get to know people, right? It, it becomes a relationship, right? And him and I were talking one day over drinks and you know, I was talking about his business and he was on the tail end of that partnership and getting out. And that was the genesis of us moving into this business. So the point is, uh, a lot of the investors initially were people that I knew, but as the as we've done more deals, we successfully exited, made people a lot of money, right? Now their networks are open to us. So now it's very hard to say, well, where is one person coming from? Do you understand? Because invariably what happens is one investor might be referred by somebody, but they might know a second investor of mine that I had no idea they even knew about. And they kind of, you know, pick up the phone, kind of call it like they get the good referral and they tell me, oh, yeah, this investor told me, but there's two of your other investors here that also vouch for you. 
So now a lot of that is like that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the referral is so great because it, it kind of mitigates or eliminates that initial hurdle of kind of, you know, getting to know them and, and getting that initial conversation out of the way. So as you guys continue to grow, sounds like you're, you're even pivoting a little bit towards restaurants. Are you taking your partners with you on that as well? Or is this yeah. a solo venture? No, no, no. I take my partners. Look, it doesn't mean that we don't do multifamily. For instance, I just put a deal under contract in Atlanta, uh, like actually yesterday. So that's going to be our third acquisition for the year, right? We've got another two developments coming up uh, and we're doing this. So the point isn't necessarily to like the whole, the whole point of doing even real estate wasn't necessarily, I'm very upfront with people, right? It wasn't necessarily that I always wanted to do real estate when I was a kid, you know, dude, I wanted to do cool stuff when I was a kid, astronaut, rock star, soccer player. I, I don't know, something like that. I don't want to be in real estate. I didn't even think of that as a career. But the reason why I did real estate is because, look, we wanted to take our dollars, our friends and investors' dollars, and stretch them the furthest. Like, how much more can we make for everyone so that everybody around us is crushing and making a lot of money? So the same principle that we used to get into real estate, it's the same principle. That's why we're moving into other industries. It's no other. The whole reason is to make money, have a good time, really have everybody around us enjoying themselves. I love that. That's just so straight to the point. Like I have so much respect for that. You're like, Hey, we're here to make money. And this is an industry where you can do that. And, yeah. uh, I mean, and you get work really hard, work. but I mean, we're not doing this because, Oh my God, I always want to do real estate. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. I also wanted to be an astronaut and I wanted to be a, a jet fighter pilot for yeah, a long cool time. Thing, right? Jet fighter pilot, pretty freaking cool profession compared to a real estate person, you know? Absolutely. A lot cooler stories than, uh, yeah, I went to uh, Columbus, Ohio to look at a 150-year <laughs> apartment complex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but awesome. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So as you're kind of pivoting and moving around, you know, obviously finance background, which means you're also probably big in economics. What are some of the economics that you're really paying attention to moving forward with kind of the crazy landscape we're in? Look, I'll be honest with you. I get this uh, question asked a lot and I worked in equity research, uh, worst job of my life, uh, <laughs> right? And I can tell you this, most of the experts are wrong, including us, by the way, when we were on the desk. I think a lot of people, um, look, you have to realize, I'm not saying don't pay attention to all this stuff that you hear about, but you have to realize, this is just my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. That a lot of the time there is a there is a news media complex, right? Because look, if you own a 24 hours a day news channel, I mean, it's gonna be pretty freaking boring if you tell people, yeah, you know, this guy's really talking about it, but in your day-to-day -day life, it has no meaning whatsoever, right? You're not, you're not gonna get any views. You're not gonna get any clicks. Nobody's gonna you know, join you. So you have to kind of hype up everything as, oh my God, this is the end of the world. And if you don't <laughs> look at it right now, you're all gonna die, right? It's like, you know, if you're on late night, those on Fox or CNN or whatever, you know, there's like selling gold coins, you know, the end of the world is coming, America's dying, buy our gold coins, right? Dude, 99% of the information you hear, it does not apply to the average person. Look, if you are, say, a high net worth, high accredited investor, you're, you're reasonably well diversified, you don't have a stripper problem, right? You don't have a drug problem, right? You're, you're conservative with your money. You live below your means, but you know, you enjoy your money, right? And you want to leave a legacy for your family and you're hardworking. 99% of this macroeconomic news is just bullshit. Okay, it doesn't affect you day to day. The interest rates moving, great. Unless they move 500 basis points in a year, you're going to be fine. Chill out. So what I tell people is, look, 
99% of this information doesn't apply to you, don't lose sleep over it. Makes perfect sense. Is there anything that you do pay attention to? Just, yeah. you know. Russia nuking America. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah, you know? fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, but you never know, man. Or that guy in North Korea was a freaking moron, that guy. Yeah, because you were in oil and gas. So obviously, you know, are you still- I had to pay really attention. <laughs> that I had to pay real attention, yeah. Because yeah, look, so we're in real estate, right? Facts. Not to interrupt you. Look, we're in real estate. The fundamentals here are so strong. People need a roof over their head that this day-to-day -day stuff doesn't affect us. And if you're well-liquidated, you're conservative going into your deals, you're not going to have trouble. You're going to be fine. But this is why it's very important to find the right people to work with who are not flashy, who say what they're going to do, do what they're going to say, because flashy people might have a few deals that work out for a few years, but eventually you're going to lose all your money. And, that, and some people learn it the hard way and some people learn it the easy way. What are some things that you see foresee happening? Like obviously in the last three years, you know, you could trip and still 3X your three X your deal. So what are some of the things that you're seeing that, you know, from some of these newer operators maybe who kind of flying by to see their pants that maybe worry you for, for them. And, and Well, we're really hoping the interest rates keep going up. We're really hoping for that because this means all the people that were either undercapitalized or were cheeky with getting deals because I'm already seeing that this deal in Atlanta that I'm buying, I'm getting it at like a $25,000 per unit discount to the market, right? My property manager actually manages a property 0.7 miles down the street, exact same vintage selling for, so this is at 141, what is 165 minus one? That is selling for $24,000 a unit more than this property. Exact same vintage, nothing materially different, right? Why? Because these guys are up there. These guys are SOL, basically. They have a partnership. Nobody wants to work. Everybody, you know, everybody wants to be a leader. Nobody wants to be a follower. They didn't fully capitalize their deal. And now when the going gets tough, well, the tough get going, but the not so tough, they literally just cash out or go to sleep. So we're really hoping interest rates continue to rise because for us, that takes out all the weak players or more of the weak players, which means there's more deals for us to capitalize on right at tractor prices. So that's the biggest thing I'm hoping that continues to happen. Absolutely. And wow, that's crazy. You're already starting to see these sort of partnerships are in distress. So on that, what's been a big key for you in building your successful partnerships? Well, look, the big key for us is basically, uh, and again, it's a learning process because I've made a lot of mistakes, right? And I continue to make them, uh, is basically like, for instance, um, you know, a lot of times people ask, what are you doing? I say, look, I'm optimizing for reliability and say the quality of the person. So for, because for instance, take me out of the picture, right? I do my own deals, whatever. I also take some of our money and invest in other people's deals, right? And basically, I'll be honest with you, I don't even look at the deal. What I'm looking at is who am I investing with and do I know the person? And basically what I'm trying to solve for or trying to get a better idea is the, the person's competence or rather my assessment of their competence and my assessment of their character and whether it's a good match for the ethics. Because for instance, in my opinion, somebody who's you know really honest, really nice, but is a complete idiot, you don't want to give that person your money, obviously, right? But conversely, somebody could be world-class at what they do, but they're a crook. You also don't want to give that person money, right? So again, there's no hard and fast formula because it's not easy for gurus to sell you like a spreadsheet that finds out somebody's competence and ethics, right? Kind of hard to do that. But essentially, when I'm investing my money in other people's deals, I don't even look at the deal. 
I just look at the people, try to find out as much as I can about the people, right? Ideally referrals, all of that stuff from people I know, not I don't ask them for a referral, right? Because they're not going to give me a referral to a bad referral, right? Right. And that's what I'm really trying to do because it's just a people's game at the end of the day, man. It's like you have to work with ethical, competent people. Yes, absolutely. And your goals and values need to align. Yeah. And the key really is, you know, face-to-face -face and observing, you know, how they interact with the people around them. Yeah. And a lot of the guys that I know, for instance, or that I've invested with are people like, say, I'll pick up the phone and talk to a couple of buddies. They're also sponsors or investors, right? Hey, do you know about this guy, right? And they'll be like, oh yeah, this guy's really good. You should, yeah, if you're thinking about it, give this guy a little bit of money. And then if I have the money, I'd give the guy the money. Obviously I'll talk to him and there's a little bit more going on there, but then I'll try to give the person the money. Awesome. I love that. That's such a huge, huge factor and why it's so important to get to know people before you and also on our end why invest relations is so important in building a relationship with an investor to make sure that you know just because they want to invest doesn't mean that they're the investor for you yeah i 100 percent agree with you absolutely well we are getting close on our time and i do have five questions that i ask all of my guests it's the final five so the first one is, what's the best advice you've gotten from a mentor? Oh, uh, you know, I, I think what was it? Yeah, the graveyard is filled with uh, irreplaceable people. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. What is it about your career that makes you feel like you're fulfilling your why? Oh, I, I don't know that. I think that's a philosophical answer that I don't either have the majority yet to answer or I just maybe don't know the answer to that. Fair enough. What's your favorite non-real estate or investment-related book? Oh, there's a ton of them, man. I keep reading and you know giving my books away. So there was Anti-Fragile and Black Swan. And right now, I was, what was I reading? I was reading this book on like uh, 15 uh, Central Park West. It's a development in, uh, it's, it's about real estate, but it's not really. It's about the people behind it and their story. So I was reading about that. Yeah. Sweet. But wow. I like really trashy tabloidy stuff a lot of times. So <laughs> Nice. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, uh, definitely uh, either more listening or more empathy. I don't know if that's a superpower. but <laughs> Empathy is a real superpower. I, I just will die on that hill. <laughs> it's a tough one. I need to have more. And especially now that I have kids, I, I realize I need to be more empathetic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, awesome. Last one. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you and uh, learn more? Yeah, you can go to our website, boardwalkwealth.com, B-O-A-R-D, walkwealth.com. Uh, there's an email opt-in page, so you can put your on the right side, I think, yeah. Name, email, how you found out about us, you'll click on the get access or whatever button there is. Send you an email, click the link so Google or whoever you use knows we're not spamming you, and you'll be added to our list. You can also reach out to me, Omar, O-M-A-R, at boardwalkwealth.com. And I think you'll have this in the show notes, right? The Correct. Yep. So people can look over there as well. Awesome. Omar, thank you so much. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Listen, guys, I know it's cliche, but please don't forget to like, subscribe. Please leave a review. Would love to know what you guys think of the episodes. And while you're here still listening, don't forget to go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, is commercial real estate recession proof. Thanks so much.